Yeah. Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with another Black Monday episode. Today we're talking our favorite offenses to target. We're talking about situations you should invest in. And we're not necessarily talking like, oh, the Cowboys offense because they're going to be good from a rushing and passing perspective. We're talking specifically their passing offense or the team's rushing offense. So, uh, Nick, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good. Uh, talking about a lot of kind of sleeper-ish plays. Also, one of my one of these is my very favorite offense to target, literally, uh, potentially of this whole offseason. Uh, so, yeah, started excited to start talking about this. Uh, we're kind of all smiles here because uh, we were dealing with some dogs barking, you know, before we started this thing. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully the dogs can cooperate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll hit the intro and then we'll see you guys on the other side. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Yo, show me the money! All right, so the Texans is the first offense that I have written down. And every, any, literally anyone who's ever watched anything on this channel knows that I love the Texans passing offense specifically. Um, Watson, I've talked about plenty. He's an elite quarterback talent wise. He's probably going to throw 600 times because defense is terrible. And the rushing attack is downgraded. As I've mentioned, Carlos Hyde is a better pure runner. than David Johnson is. So he's also one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. People forget this about Watson. I don't know how, but they do. And he ranks in the, like he ranked in the top five in, in carries from the quarterback position, red zone carries from the quarterback position, rush yards, rushing touchdowns. Like he's just He's going to be a super – like, I think he's going to be incredible this year. He's my quarterback three currently. I have him ahead of Prescott. I have him ahead of Murray. I have him ahead of Wilson. Like, I have him ahead of all these guys because I think he's just going to be incredible. Yeah, I, uh, I love Deshaun Watson. When he came into the league, there was all of that kind of, like, people were talking down on him for some reason because yeah, of his ball up velocity. The at the combine or yeah, something. exactly. And, and, dude, ball velocity, I swear, has nothing to do with arm strength. I think that's just one of those Look new – Jacob Eason. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't mean, and, it doesn't uh, mean you're good either. <laughs> no, no, of course. Yeah, definitely doesn't mean you're good. Um, and Deshaun, all Deshaun Watson does is, yes, they haven't, like, won a Super Bowl or anything. I mean, he just wins. He's good. You know, the Texans have not been that great. And he puts them on his back, and he carries them. And, uh, yeah, any team that has Deshaun Watson, I believe in, basically. So Yeah, he's the AFC's version of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson does the exact yes. same thing in Seattle. Um, yes. Okay, so talking about the receivers, why I like this passing offense so much, and mainly the reason I like them is because they're great values too. It's not just because I think they're going to be really good, but Brandon Cooks has seen more. He's only seen more than 120 targets one time in his entire career, yet he still had four straight seasons with well over a thousand yards and between five and nine touchdowns the, uh, the four years prior to this season. Um, and this is basically just he was a consistent a, like high-end wide receiver too year in and year out and he was on like three different teams in the span of this like during this time span too so he missed two games last year it seems like he missed a lot more he only missed two games he's not even really that injury prone it's just concussion issues and to me I don't think that the um, the Texans would have traded like a second round pick like a high second round pick for a player that they knew was going to like not be healthy. They probably got some kind of information about his concussions or whatever. Like um, I think cooks is basically just, just his opportunity is ripe for the picking because Hopkins is gone and this benefits Will Fuller. Also, Will Fuller is also a target of mine. They're, they're basically going around the same range. And as I've mentioned, I think it's the most Will Fuller thing of all time. If Will Fuller just balled out in a contract year and got the Texans to pay him a lot of money. But um 
I could see Fuller being basically yeah. what Devontae Parker was this year. I could see him being – like, because Devontae Parker was always a talented receiver. Same thing for with Will Fuller. Just neither of them could stay healthy. And one of them had, had Adam Gase in his, as his coach. But um, I, I think there's, a, there's some validity, and I've heard uh, uh, sports doctors and, like, fantasy doctors and stuff talk about this. There's some validity to players learning how to, like, take care of their body better as they get more experience in the league. And then things like soft tissue injuries, which – Fuller has really struggled with don't happen as much. And um, he has an advantage over cooks too. Fuller does because in the shortened off season that they're experiencing, he already has a great connection with the quarterback, even when Hopkins was there. And like I said, Hopkins targets are gone. And both guys, both of these two guys are uh, the primary two targets that I have. And they're going to be the primary beneficiary of Hopkins not being there. Yeah, I love Will Fuller. First round pick out of Notre Dame. Um, when he came in, a lot of people kind of hated on him. But honestly, whenever he's healthy, he balls out. I mean, I would actually argue that he's actually had a worse coach than even Devontae Parker. I think Bob is the worst coach in the league. Bill O'Brien is a joke. Uh, he is a joke of a general manager. The fact that Deshaun Watson has kept him his job for the last several years is uh, – yeah, he just, you know, owes all the prayers and all the thanks to uh, Deshaun Watson forever. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I genuinely love Will Fuller. I think he's really good. Brandon Cooks was always one of my favorite players in Dynasty, and this concussion thing is kind of – it's. I mean, it is cost in redraft. Like, we don't have to worry about concussions. In yeah, redraft, yeah, it's, you know? it is like, definitely concerning for sure. And I think yes. uh, one I want to mention too is that because both of these guys are quote-unquote injury-prone guys – I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Randall Cobb's like a top 24 receiver this year. If like one or two or both of these guys go down, Randall Cobb to me is a great pick in best ball because you could basically get him in the very last round. And even if these guys are on the field, I honestly think there's going to be like six or seven games where Randall Cobb gives you like wide receiver two, wide receiver, like high-end wide receiver two numbers on the week. So I think he's a great pick maybe in best ball, maybe not so much in redraft, but guy to have maybe on waiver wire speed dial in case someone goes down. Yeah, I like Kenny Stills too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I think you can get either of those guys. Uh, okay. So rolling into my potentially like favorite team, um, just kind of new and exciting team uh, this off season is the Panthers. Uh, so they brought in obviously Matt rule. Uh, a lot of things have changed there. They've got Joe, Joe Brady, who was the offensive coordinator for LSU. You know, they lit it up all year last year. He's coming in. Uh, and has some kind of a rapport with Teddy Bridgewater, you know. I mean, Teddy was in New Orleans when Joe Brady was in New Orleans. And uh, so a lot of the playbook, Teddy's going to already know. So I'm not really worried about the COVID thing. I'm not really worried about all that. They let go of Cam Newton to have Teddy Bridgewater. And I think they really have, like, surrounded him with all of the perfect weapons. Like, when you think Panthers, typically you think Chris McCaffrey. I mean, he is for sure the best player. Well, He's, he's probably the best player on their offense. I don't know. I really like DJ Moore. And yeah, I kind Christian McCaffrey's the best player on their offense. Yeah, yeah it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say a running back to me is the best player on any offense because it's just it's the running back. But he, he is. You know, Christian McCaffrey's incredible. So they've got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. And as a whole, that offense is absolutely perfect to me with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, their defense is terrible. And they're in a division that is going to have shootouts like, you know, I mean, every week pretty much. Oh, yeah. Falcons, Saints, 
Buccaneers, like, dude, it's on, you know, in that division. And uh, I, I think really the Panthers are going to be in some of the biggest shootouts of the year this year. Draft I'm really excited. NFC South players in your, in your fantasy team, like you might win your championship just because like we don't play defense in this division and all we do is chuck the football. So yeah, I definitely agree there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. And, and in general, uh, something else, I mean, they added Russell Okun, who, yes, he's aging, as far as like lineman goes, he's kind of struggled to stay healthy uh, in the trade from the Chargers. But I think he is an upgrade at left tackle over what they had. Uh, and they also signed uh, another right guard. You know, he played for the Bengals last year. So they signed him in free agency. So they're at least trying to do something there. And probably my biggest tight end dark horse uh, in redraft and dynasty as well is Ian Thomas. So if I like all of these guys, I have to like Teddy Bridgewater. And at their cost, like, really, uh, I think they're great. I, I, I haven't mentioned Robbie Anderson, and I am a little concerned he might be, like, a stretch decoy X. But I'm still taking him just because I like the talent. I, like, really love Robbie Anderson. And, uh, yeah, I just think this offense is incredible. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. And I have – I currently have Teddy Bridgewater as my quarterback 18. So, mm-hmm. I'm much higher than – I'm pretty sure consensus like, 26 or something like that. Like, he's – everyone just assumes he's like a low, like he's a low volume guy. He's going to check the ball down. He's going to like have six yards per attempt or some shit. Like, no, like the, the weapons he has there, all of them are going to make him look better than he actually is. Like McCaffrey can run after the catch. DJ Moore can run after the catch. Curtis Samuel can run after the catch. Robbie Anderson can run after the catch. Like they're all going to just give him free yardage and free big plays without him even having to do that much. Even if he is just a check down guy, which I don't think he is. I think he can do, more than that. And like you said, he already knows the system very well. It's basically the same system that he ran in New Orleans, uh, where Joe Brady originally came from before he went to LSU. So yeah, I, I'm all in on the Panthers offense as well. And the six division games that they're going to have this year definitely help pad the stats of all of those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, another, I mean, not really a sleeper offense, but I would say um, one that's going to be in for a big bounce back for obvious reasons is the Steelers. And like the reason is because the quarterback is coming back and they don't have a, some dickhead named duck as their quarterback or a guy with a caved in skull. So um, I'll put this on the screen right now. This is basically um, big Ben's uh, splits uh, in the last three years that he's been the quarterback. And basically what, what I want to point out from big Ben's perspective, he averaged 23.2 points per game from a fantasy perspective, which is really good. Obviously it's like top five quarterback numbers, pass attempts per game nearly 40 a game 39.33 um ints don't really matter for fantasy but he averages almost one a game but uh passing touchdowns two per game 7.62 yards per attempt and 293.58 passing yards per game this like the Steelers offense has always been a throw the ball over the yard offense with Big Ben and I know Antonio Brown isn't there anymore but they're still gonna use um the assets that they have uh to their advantage which is Big Ben's arm because Big Ben he's just always been a high volume passer the last like couple of years. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about his volume is the fact that their, their defense is incredible. Like it might be one of the best in the league. And um, it, it hasn't really been that good up until uh, this past year when big Ben was hurt, had Ben not gotten hurt, they might've went really far in the playoffs because of that defense. So uh, what does this mean for the pass catchers is essentially what uh, we want to know. Cause they're the more valuable people in fantasy, but the better quality of targets in general is just like, cause like those guys were awful. Like the guys they had uh, throwing the ball before and there's going to be more of them. They still threw 510, uh, 510 times last year, even with the horrendous QB play that they had. 
Um, I don't think it's going to go to 675, which is what it was in 2018, but I think it'll probably be somewhere in the middle of that, closer to 600. And Juju is probably the biggest bounce back candidate in all of fantasy football. He's the primary option. He's uh, returning to the slot, which he still played quite a bit last year, but um, he's, he's, he's the number one option in that offense, whether we think he can handle the number one corner or not, which is a stupid narrative. And I hate every time anyone brings it up. Um, he, he had so many underrated aspects of his game in his first two years. He had a 31% uh, red zone target share. He had 29 red zone targets in 2018, the last time he played a full season. And that was despite Antonio Brown having 24 red zone targets and 15 touchdowns. So, I mean, Antonio Brown's not there anymore. And Deontay Johnson, as much as we can get excited about him, is not going to command the red zone share that Antonio Brown commanded. So, I mean, it's wheels up for Juju and Big Ben, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Uh, yeah, I think Big Ben, I mean, I have all the concerns that most people do. You know, I'm worried he's not going to be the same guy. But no matter who he comes back as, he's a huge upgrade, like you were saying. Juju, I always go back to his sophomore year at USC. He blew up all over the place. Like, his junior year was a bit down, so he went in the second round, which is still great in the NFL draft. But, like, I thought he was going to be, like, the best wide receiver prospect ever, you know, after Yeah, like, he looked like a year. Jamar Chase-level prospect. Like, like 100%. Uh, yeah, so, like, I just think he's – a really good football player. He blocks, he catches, he can do everything. I think last year is going to be the anomaly. Like that is not going to be what he is moving forward. He's an awesome personality. I think everything about Juju, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's going to crush. Yeah. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of other tertiary weapons there. Deontay Johnson's everyone's favorite sleeper, primarily because he, he played a lot out wide as a rookie last year and was very good. He was like one of the best uh, receivers in the league against press man coverage. He ranked number one in separation average, which is really, really impressive for a rookie receiver, especially coming from, I believe he went to Toledo or something. Um, this was despite uh, ranking. He had like amongst the 80s in uh, among wide receivers for catchable targets and target quality, much like everyone on this team because the quarterback play was just awful. Uh, but his breakout was it, like, if we're going to make excuses for Juju Smith-Schuster, which I think he's warranted based on his play, but uh, – it just to me, it just proves how impressive the breakout was for Deontay Johnson because Juju Smith-Schuster did struggle as much as he did. And uh, there's there's a lot of other guys in this offense uh, that are kind of interesting. I guess they're more late round dart throws. But James Washington, Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron. I mean, all these guys are worth late round dart throws or best ball picks or wherever you want to draft them. But um, the, I, I think the offense could be very high volume as we as we've seen it be uh, with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. And as far as his injury goes, uh, Big Ben's, I, I heard um, fantasy doctors and all those people, they, they're not concerned about it at all, to be honest. They, they, it's like a baseball injury basically is what it is. It's because he tried to throw like sidearm. So it's only, it's actually like, I'm pretty sure they said if it's like it actually never happened to a quarterback before and it wouldn't really affect them because the motion isn't the same unless he tries to throw sidearm some more, which Ben isn't probably going to do very much. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I got I got hope for the Steelers' offense. I think uh, I I would hope that they figure out James James Connor's not that good this year. But as far as uh, the passing, yeah, I didn't even goes, mention that James Connor. I don't I don't really believe in much at all. I think they're gonna yeah. have to pass to score. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna be uh, much better. I think it's gonna be a big bounce back here. And uh, speaking of bounce backs, the ultimate post hype sleepers, uh, the Cleveland Browns, like. Last year, at this point, uh, we all thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. You know, the Cleveland Browns had made a lot of moves, me included. I, I, I didn't know about the Super Bowl, but, like, 
I bought into the hype, dude. They oh, yeah. added oh, yeah. everything. I mean, OBJ, they got uh, Kareem Hunt. They had Baker coming after that huge rookie year that he had crushed. You know, like there was so much excitement related to the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, yeah, it was the ultimate dud. I did not see Baker Mayfield playing as bad as he did last year. And uh, specifically, honestly, I, I love Baker. He's my number one, like, dynasty buy just in general. But I want a more focus in redraft. Like, I'm looking at their rushing offense. I do think Baker's going to bounce back this year, but I can't decide between, like, Jarvis, OBJ. Like, I, I don't really know what to do there. And Should Hooper, be an efficiency bounce back, too, not so much a volume yeah. bounce back with Stefanski coming in, which is probably why you like the rushing offense so much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like I, I think he's going to play well, but I'm all in on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You know, I think Kareem Hunt, honestly, is probably going to be their second leading receiver, um, whether he's lined out wide or coming out of the backfield, I, as far as reception goes. I don't know about yards, but as far as receptions go, I think he's going to get a lot of targets. And Nick Chubb, uh, they upgraded their line a little bit more. They brought in Austin Hooper, and they've got David Njoku. I see a lot of kind of like, you know, 12 personnel, lining them both up, Nick Chubb grinding. Like, if Nick Chubb doesn't lead the league in rushing touchdowns this year, I'll probably be surprised. Uh, so, yeah, as far as the Browns' rushing attack goes, um, I want both of them. Honestly, Nick Chubb at, in the second round, like, I'm always happy if I land Nick Chubb. There's a couple other guys I want a little bit more that are going, yeah, like, near his ADP. But Kareem Hunt, I'm actually I'm willing to take him sooner than he's going. And uh, either way, though, I like love these two guys. Yeah, definitely. The the especially like, I, I'm glad you said that too because Nick Chubb is someone I'm kind of just like I, I know he's going to be efficient. I know he's going to be um, really good on the ground. He's probably going to average like four and a half five yards a carry just because he one he always does, and two the the upgrades Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills definitely lend themselves to the the offensive line being uh, much better as run blockers uh, specifically based on those two tackles and their skill sets. But uh, yeah, Nick Chubb, he just, the only thing about Nick Chubb is that he worries me, like his ceiling worries me because I think Kareem Hunt just absolutely like caps his ceiling from a receiving uh, standpoint. Maybe he gets more goal line carries than he did last year. I'm not sure, but yeah, either way, the, the rushing offense as a whole, it's definitely one that you're going to want a part of because if Cleveland is any good this year, it's probably going to be on the basis of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And Baker, maybe he bounces back. But again, like I said, I think it's going to be more of an efficiency bounce back where he just has like a super efficient, like takes care of the football like uh, type of season. Not so much like they're going to throw the ball 600 times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jack Conklin too is his specialty is run blocking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he paved the way for Derrick Henry all year last year. Stefanski, run coach. Like he likes to run almost every play. He will. He if he could, I don't think he would ever want Baker to throw. You know, he just likes to run all the time. Whether I agree with that or not, that's how he likes to do things. And Jedrick Wills, clean, great blocker. You know, like he's got like perfect technique. These are the things they say about him. Kind of coming. Oh yeah, out he of was school. my OT one. Yeah, so I, I think this year, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of the post-hype bounce back for the Cleveland Browns. I think it goes to the run game. For sure. All right, so this one's, like, going to be completely obvious. Like, if you've watched anything on this channel, if you've, like, opened your eyes and watched football in the last three years, the Falcons' passing offense is not a sleeper at all. It's the number one offense you want a part of, in my opinion, uh, from a passing perspective. 
uh, the highest run to pa- or pass to run ratio in the NFL last year at 67%. And they were still top three when they were in neutral game scripts. So it wasn't just them playing catch up all the time. Uh, and it doesn't really matter if they're good or not. Either way, they're going to throw the ball a lot is what essentially that means. Um, Ryan is the uh, Matt Ryan is the odds on favorite to lead the NFL in pass attempts. And the team's success is dependent on the Falcon signal caller uh, throwing the ball over the yard, essentially, because, uh, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I, I don't expect their defense to be very good, and I don't expect Todd Gurley to be any good. So I think it, it rests on the shoulder number two. Um, Julio is Julio. I don't really need to see, say much else about him. Everyone knows he's a stud. Everyone knows he's going to get 160-plus targets this year. He's probably not going to score as many touchdowns as we want him to, but that's just life, I guess. Um, Ridley, he's awesome. Like He, he hit, had 10 games where he started for the Falcons, and most of which came after Sanu was gone. So he saw a pace of 126 targets, 1,216 yards, and 11 touchdowns, which would have made him wide receiver three last year. And this was, again, like I said, when he started the game and played a significant snap share, that's what happened. Uh, without Hooper and Sanu in the lineup last year, Ridley saw nearly a four-target increase from like six targets to ten targets. And I know Hurst is coming in to replace Hooper. I'll talk about him in a second. But Ridley – like he is the type of receiver that Dirk Cutter, like I watched Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay. He knows how to use Calvin Ridley. It's one of his like uh, best attributes as a play caller is, is getting a deep threat and a guy who can separate like that, the football. And as I mentioned, Hayden Hurst comes in to replace Austin Hooper who, and they traded a second round pick plus for him. So they, they definitely intend on using him. And I think he's in for 110, 100 to 130 targets this year. And I think, He's going to be a big part of the red zone game. They're going to definitely try and get him the ball in the red zone as well. You saw that with Hooper last year. Pretty much the only time the Falcons were actually good in the red zone is when they threw to Austin Hooper. And um, even if he ends up being the number three option in this offense, I still think he has that kind of target potential because, as I mentioned, I think they're going to throw the ball 615, 625 times this year because that's just who the Falcons are. And I also – I don't want people to sleep on Russell Gage either. I think Russell Gage is, is uh, the type of guy that – even if those top three guys, they see like, I don't know, 450 combined targets between the three of them. There's still a decent piece of that pie left. And I think Russell Gage could be a great um, waiver wire or like waiver wire ad that you can plug into your lineup in a good matchup, probably against another NFC South team, or you just play him or pick him in best ball in the very last round. Yeah, I think you hit pretty well um, on all of the receivers and tight ends. I think We've been talking about this NFC South division and uh, going on the Falcons defense. I mean, their cornerbacks were so bad last year that at the 16th pick this year, they reached on a cornerback. So like rather than taking CeeDee Lamb, who was sitting there and taking Russell Gage and making him CeeDee Lamb or, you know, getting really just, yeah, like if that's, that was what they should have done strength into strength. Instead, they reached and took AJ Terrell who, uh, yes, they really needed a cornerback, but that was a huge reach. Like, that's how desperate they were. They were trying to get up into the top five picks. It was rumored to try and go get Akuda. Um, And, yeah, so if that says anything kind of about their pass defense and their cornerbacks and being in the division they're going to be in, uh, yeah, you laid out the case for why their offense is going to crush. Their defense can't stop anybody in the passing game. Like, Dude, they're going to be like 70-point games, uh, like 70 to 65 when the Falcons and Panthers play. Pretty much, yeah, because they're like no, no, neither of those teams have any good corners. Like Calvin Ridley, if he played defense, might be the best corner on those two teams. So, um, yeah, yeah, like those that 
the Falcons, Panthers, Bucks, like all the like we didn't mention the Bucks passing game or the Saints passing game, but they're obviously going to be very good as well. They're just kind of more obvious names that we didn't uh, quite bring up. But uh, who's your uh, next offense to target here? Yeah, so uh, my next offense is when you look at rankings, I've looked at a couple different ranking sets for people's kind of predictions going into 2020. And uh, they have this offense ranked as the potential 29th overall. Uh, and I don't agree with it. You know, I actually have a lot of excitement towards the Cincinnati Bengals. So yes, there is a lot of uncertainty here. Uh, second year with Zach Taylor at the helm. Uh, I like the front office they brought in. And I overall actually really kind of like the draft they have this year. Uh, obviously, the biggest acquisition is the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow put up the biggest college season of all time. And it was his only like super impressive season in college. But if he can do even anything close this year to distributing like he did last year, I mean, as a rookie, there is so much upside based on the position that these guys are getting drafted. Uh, when I look at the wide receiver room, actually for the Bengals, I actually am like pretty blown away. I think all of them can play. AJ Green's coming back. Tyler Boyd, John Ross, who flashed big time last year for the yeah. first time. Like when he was healthy, John Ross was crushing. Like I'm all over John Ross. There's Auden Tate. They took T Higgins in the second round. Coming back from injury outside of AJ Green is Jonah Williams, the left tackle they drafted in the first round last year. Like he went down before the season even started. Yep. Uh, so bringing him in all of those kind of offensive weapons, I'm going to be interested to see, like, that's the biggest concern for me, honestly, is not how well, like how good their receivers are, but who to pick. Um, for me, I'm going all in on John Ross. I think where he's going at, I just, I like the upside so much that I'm going to go for it. And, uh, I'm also okay with AJ green, um, Tyler Boyd. I think I'm out on this year. I just, I think we've seen his ceiling. You know, he got like 160 targets last year and he still, you know, like he, he was good, but I, I just, I don't think there's any way he touches that again, even though I really think he's like talented as a player. I just don't think he's like, I don't, he doesn't have the upside I want. Yeah, for sure. And I know everyone knows I'm way out on AJ Green, but I am so in on Joe Burrow. It's not even funny. Like, like, like you said, it's hard to pick who to, who to want there. That, in my opinion, that screams pick the quarterback because I think, I mean, like A.J. Green helps the quarterback. Tyler, uh, Tyler Boyd helps the quarterback. John Ross will get you some great points for your quarterback. Even if A.J. Green goes down, which I expect him to this year, T. Higgins is basically like the same mold of receiver that he is. So, And I, I wasn't the biggest T. Higgins fan uh, based on his college tape, but I mean, I, there's, I could definitely be wrong about him. He's definitely in a good system to fit his skill set. And yeah, like you said, even Auden Tate can play. And they have um, a second-round tight end, Drew Sample, that might take a step forward. Who knows? Um, yeah, they're, they're passing offense. If anyone's saying it's not good, it's going to be good in my opinion. So, uh, I definitely like the call on the Bengals. Yeah. I haven't even mentioned either my absolute favorite passing target who, yes, you have to pay the premium for, but Joe Mixon, I expect to take a huge step forward this year in the passing game I at Oklahoma. So. He was literally a satellite back. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan was the grinder at Oklahoma. Joe Mixon was, yeah, he was a satellite back. He got some touches, but he was used as the, the receiver. He ran routes out of the slot. He caught a ton of balls. He was super elusive, had a super high yards per carry, which yards per carry is means nothing, but his like yards created yards, like everything about Joe Mixon was incredible at Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, I think they, I think this year, 
I think they're going to line him up out. They're going to throw him the ball a lot. Like I, I see Joe Mixon catching a lot of passes so, as long as he doesn't hold out. I, I really hope you're right on that. I, to me, I'm a little bit out on Joe Mixon in terms of his passing game usage. I think if they were going to use him in the passing game a lot, it would have been last year that they did that because everyone got injured and all that stuff. But again, like I said, I hope you're right. For like Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Sony Michelle, all these guys were great receivers in college and none of them have really been used as uh, pass catchers in the NFL. Uh, speaking of running backs, uh, this is a rushing offense that probably needs no introduction. Uh, the Ravens rushing offense like get as many pieces as you can because Lamar Jackson is the reason this offense is so good. And the reason this rushing offense is so good. So I'm going to include him here, even though he's not a running back. Um, anyone who talks about regression for Lamar Jackson, like in terms of his passing touchdown rate or whatever needs to take into account that while his TD rate from a passing perspective uh, may regress, uh, his rush efficiency is going to uh, uh, regress positively because he wasn't, especially in the red zone, he should have had way more rushing touchdowns than he did. And uh, in terms of evaded tackles and broken tackles and stuff, he had like very low numbers for someone who should have like, based on the amount of carries he had and all that stuff, like he should have been much more efficient on the ground than he was. So, I mean, it's wheels up for Lamar Jackson. He's my quarterback one, because I think he's just going to get like force fed the ball as a runner. And he's basically an RB one and a quarterback one and one. So uh, in terms of the running backs, the Ravens ran the ball at a 55% clip uh, last year. Obviously, that includes Lamar Jackson, but that was by far the highest in the league. And Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are the guys to own here of the two of the like four or five running backs that they have, um, as they should probably carry the rock the most for uh, for this team. I've said it a million times before too, but it, it kind of bears repeating. Don't forget that you have to win games early in the fantasy season. So while some people might look at Mark Ingram and be like oh, well, like J.K. Dobbins is going to take over the job and all this stuff. Like, like you can get him at a discount because he's going outside of like – he's going in like flex territory right now, and he's going to help you at the beginning of the season. And if people are – like people do this every year. They draft J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers, like all these rookies, and then they're getting shit pumped the first couple of weeks of the season because they have no one that's like getting them significant touches. You flip one of those guys to uh, one of those teams uh, for Mark Ingram, and you're set for the rest of the season. Both guys will likely be usable in this offense. There's plenty of running back carries to go around, and both guys are going to be extremely efficient. If you don't believe me, go look at Mark Ingram's efficiency numbers last year, especially in the red zone. All, both of these guys are going to have are going to be playing one of the most potent offenses in the league. And the dominance of the defense that the Ravens have should ensure that the, it's going to be great game scripts all year because the Ravens, like, I mean, there's like two games on their schedule that they might be in a neutral game script. Otherwise, they're going to be beating the shit out of everyone. Yeah, defenders are always at least one step, usually two steps behind these running backs when they get the ball because they have to wait for Lamar Jackson. They cannot let Lamar Jackson get away from them. So these running backs, like, they are going to be efficient naturally. On top of that, they've got this incredible line. They've got, you know, Mark Ingram, like, say what you want about him. It seems like he should just be just a guy, but all he's ever done is produce his whole career. And uh, J.K. Dobbins is a beast. Uh, this team, I, I literally don't see how they could be worse than they were last year. You know, like, obviously, like, regression can happen. Like, I don't know if Lamar has another MVP year. It's very unlikely. But as far as rushing, they should be better than they were last year. And you definitely want to own that. 
Yeah, and as I mentioned with Dobbins, I don't think he's going to unseat Ingram as the starter for for a while, if at all, because I think there's a, I think there's a chance it's just like kind of like a 50-50 timeshare because I don't think the Ravens really care about our fantasy teams as much as we think teams do. Um, but like I said, the efficiency numbers and the scoring opportunities especially are going to be very good in this offense. They, like These guys are both going in flex territory, as I mentioned. They're not um, your typical like third – like J.K. Dobbins isn't like a third-round pick like Jonathan Taylor is. Like he's going in like the sixth round. He's not a starter for your team. So he's the perfect kind of guy to like stash and, uh, and hold on to while you can play other guys in front of him, or you don't draft him at all and just trade for him after a couple of weeks. If he's not maybe getting the workload that some people think he's going to get. And I, I mean, it's worth mentioning, but if either of these guys go down, like the other one's going to be like a top six, top five running back in fantasy. And uh, yeah. I don't hate the idea of stacking them personally. Like, if you want both of them, I d- like it's going to probably drive you nuts figuring out which one to start. But, I mean, if it's best ball, you don't have that problem. But uh, I do think they're both going to be valuable week in and week out just because, like, they're probably going to average, like, like two touchdowns a game between the running backs in this backfield just based on how the offense runs. Yeah, I think if you're going to stack them, it has to be best ball. Otherwise, you're capping your own upside just with, like, benches and stuff. But 100%, if one goes down, like, dude, if you guessed right and you have the one that didn't get injured, you are laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. Uh, So from one kind of rookie running back backfield to another, uh, the Colts are a team that honestly, in my opinion, plays a little bit archaic. Uh, They want to, like, play defense and they want to run the ball. And I I think those things are kind of, like, going outdated obviously playing good defense is good but like wanting to run the ball first is not the move in my opinion but they have built literally the perfect team to do so they went they traded their first round pick to get DeForest Buckner saying like hey we want to play defense they have drafted all the offensive linemen Quentin Nelson is the most ferocious nasty guard in the NFL and all don't remind me he was one spot before the Bucks picked in that draft I was so mad Dude, he is so nasty, and everybody knew he's going to be nasty. He's even nastier than we thought he was going to be. And Jacoby last year, like, he, he did okay. Like, whatever. Like, Jacoby Brissett is Jacoby Brissett, and Phillip Rivers looked awful. But coming in, I think, for one year, for what they want him to do, I think Phil could be perfect. If we look at Austin Eckler's production last year, as far as, like, coming out of the backfield, being a wide receiver, I love the prospects of what he can do working with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. A lot of people think Naheem Hines is going to be the receiving back. I, uh, I 100% don't. In college, Marlon Mack caught a lot of passes in, in Florida Atlantic, and I see him uh, doing that again. You know, I think Marlon Mack is going to be what everyone thinks Naheem Hines is going to be this year. And uh, Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor. You don't get 2,000 yards three years in a row and then not – get handed the ball a bunch and behind that line he literally ended up in the perfect situation like rushing touchdowns all the first downs uh and even if he's splitting some work with Marlon Mack I still think he's going to like by the end of the year for sure he's taking that backfield over as far as touches goes but even in the beginning I think he can pay off in general uh just behind that line and with what they're trying to do yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I've said it a million times. He's like he's Nick Chubb 2.0. Like he's exact he reminds me exactly of Nick Chubb. Like I think but Jonathan better. Taylor, like you said, he there's not a better situation he could have gone to. Like maybe like if the Raiders had an opening in their backfield, like it, like the offensive line in Indianapolis like literally just like absolutely destroy everyone. Like they like 
they move you out of the way and they put you into the ground while they're freaking huge hulking 230 pound running back behind them is who runs a four three nine or whatever the hell he ran yep. like it, it's going to be very hard to stop if they're if the, everything works out as we we anticipate it working out and uh like you said i think rivers being there only helps um the pass catching upside probably mostly of marlon mack but i think it helps taylor a little bit as well because i mean i personally don't expect jonathan taylor to be much of a contributor in the passing game his rookie year but who knows maybe rivers is just check down rivers and he throw and he catches 40 balls, 50 balls, because that's just who Phillip Rivers is. But I, I think with proper protection, because I, I think that was the biggest issue for Rivers last year, I do think he can make the offense a lot more efficient than Brissett did. Yeah, and the last thing I'll add, just to kind of push this narrative even further that they're looking to run, this offseason they added a fullback, Roosevelt Nix. And uh, that dude, all he does is blocks. Occasionally he's caught a couple of touchdown passes out of the backfield, but he's looking to block. You put him in front of Jonathan Taylor. You have Jonathan Taylor following Quentin Nelson on a swing block. I can see it now. And yeah, literally he, a power a power run with with Nicks in front of Taylor yes. and and Nelson yes. pulling is just it's just abusive. Like you can't stop trucking that. everybody. Touchdown, seventy five yarder. Jonathan Taylor, the rookies arrived. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I think I think JT is going to be. He's definitely the type of guy that could win you your league, especially if he gets off to a slow start and people start like trading him or like God forbid they drop oh, him yeah. or something. Like if he gets off to a slow start, like you trade for him like ASAP because like we've mentioned this a couple times now. He's in the perfect situation. As soon as something like and Marlon Mack's not the most durable guy in the world too. So maybe maybe there's an injury. If if Marlon Mack went down, where does Jonathan Taylor get drafted? Like, let's say Mac gets hurt in the preseason or something. First down for sure. I'm first yeah, he's, round. He's, I said first he's got to be back end of the first round, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. Be crazy. Yeah, he's probably, if that happens, he's probably a shoe in for like 300 carries then. Yeah, at least. And, and it, it leaves some of that pass catching role. Like, then at that point, Naheem Hines might get more involved. But yeah. it's Jonathan Taylor's back. You can't put Naheem Hines on the field when you're sitting there watching what Jonathan Taylor can do. You know, that's embarrassing if you're yeah, doing that. Sure. So, <laughs> All right. So those were our uh, favorite offenses to target. As we mentioned, they were more – some of them were sleeper offenses. Some of them were obvious. Some of them we've talked about plenty of times before. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure you guys leave any offenses that you're looking to target in the comments section below. Make sure that you like uh, the video, subscribe, hit the bell uh, icon to get notified every time we post a video. We post a lot of them. And um, without further ado, guys, take it easy and enjoy your Monday.